everyone, and welcome to the patron-created spin-off green team podcast of The Legendarium. I am your host, Melia, and I am joined by Chesky. Hey. And The Solution. Hey, everybody. So today we will be reviewing Red Harvest Moon by Miles Hurt. This is book one of a new epic fantasy series called The Wandering Knife. Miles Hurt is an indie Australian author of fantasy and weird fiction, by his own admission. Um, Red Harvest Moon is his first full-length fantasy fiction novel, released on the 19th of March to 2021. Uh, we received an advanced reader copy of this novel directly from the author. So we'll begin this with a spoiler-free review of the novel. Um, but first, uh, what is this novel actually about? So the by the Amazon book blurb, it reads, The tables for the harvest feast are set, and the ghouls of Urizan are coming, uninvited. Led by the Colossus Kront, the flesh-eating ghouls are ready to blaze and burn across the lands of Sorin. The village of Puttle lies in their path, where they will bring fire and death. The Black Feather is an outlaw, an outcast, a wandering knife. But he is the only hope the villagers have in this dark hour. Bandit turned protector, the Black Feather is hired by the villagers to take up his sword against the marauders. Kron seeks the Black Feather, the ghouls are hungry, and the harvest moon will shine red. All right, so let's get into it. We'll start with um, the author's writing style, I guess, and the point of view and overall book structure. What did you guys think of that from a non-spoilery perspective? Um, from a non-spoilery perspective, I thought the the point of views were good. They were kind of standard and what I like. Um, they felt normal to me. I liked them. The writing style, I think you could tell that it was a first novel, but it wasn't a bad first novel. It was good, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, definitely the point of views. What surprised me was actually we got a little bit more of the antagonist than I assumed we would, which uh, definitely wasn't a bad thing. I did enjoy that. And yeah, pretty much that's it. Still, yeah, still decent. Think... Not a great start, but, you know, a decent start. Definitely wasn't bad. Yeah, I think... One thing I would say is that as an epic fantasy, maybe I'm just a little bit more used to like more epic, epic fantasy. Um, this felt like a good fantasy trilogy. I just hesitate to put like epic in front of it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, I think whilst I was reading it, it sometimes felt like we were looking at a third person limited point of view, but then we would be following the thoughts of one person and then suddenly we're following the thoughts of another person and it just felt a little bit odd to me yeah it felt like he was possibly toying with like an omniscient uh perspective which was a little tough and kind of confusing at times yeah yeah um and the overall book structure i thought it was good it was pretty straightforward with a few flashbacks i thought that was fine I didn't think there were too many flashbacks. Maybe I would have wished for a couple more flashbacks from other characters, and then I think I would have been more willing to give it that epic. That's a good point. I think, yeah, maybe from Drune would have been nice. Uh, I think the structure of having some of the flashbacks a little later, near the climax, I didn't pr prefer. Maybe yeah. just a little bit sooner would have been nice. Overall, it was okay, though. Yeah, I think that having the flashbacks towards the end as action was happening kind of took a little bit of the excitement away from 
the, the action, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think the yeah. pacing was just just a hair off. Yeah, I for, can for this type that. of novel. Yeah, I guess I guess when I was reading it, I just kind of had that feeling that like of the, of just like you know like sometimes how movies will flash back where it's like the action scene and then it's like the previous scene where like they're going through an emotional thing and they're figuring something out and you know being right and then back right. to the action and then back and forth and so to me it worked a little bit mm-hmm. more but I could easily see why it wouldn't work for everyone or be you know it wasn't perfect but that's hard to achieve this book being so short actually felt like a movie and we'll talk about which movie in the spoiler section even though it's not too much of a spoiler i just don't want to give it away in case somebody isn't familiar with that type of novel (laughs) yeah i guess um that kind of leads me on to my next point which is that this book is listed as being 156 pages long which in terms of what we would normally get in fantasy novels and epic fantasy in particular this is really short so i guess how did you find that length and what the author managed to achieve in this short amount of word count Uh, i thought he did good i mean it's i feel like maybe another 50 pages or so we didn't have to go double definitely not but if he did like another 50 75 pages he could have fleshed out a couple characters maybe drune would have got a little bit more time possibly even another antagonist point of view here and there and maybe a little bit more world building as a flashback for the overall scope of the war that i feel like was a little bit wanting yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i thought for how long it was he kind of hit all the major points that he needed to hit he had everything kind of taken care of within his his page count and that worked because we weren't i didn't feel like i was like missing anything from a good fantasy story you know there was a good antagonist there was good rising action there's a little bit of falling action near the end you know it was all good and it fit the length i thought that way but i agree i think with you sold another 50 pages 25 pages even just give me a second uh flashback of somebody else or give me something kind of somewhere else that lets me know that this world is a lot bigger than what i'm seeing yeah we keep getting hints of that of this war and their mythology as far as uh, race, politics, and everything. And, and almost... people from all, all around the continent. Right. Yeah, and we, we even have a, a character, which I forgot his name. He's basically the guy who's wearing the, the, the skull of an animal. And <laughs> it's unique, interesting. Maybe if we got even just like a quick couple pages of that as a flashback or something like that, or just more into his character, that have been interesting. Just... A little bit more, I think, of the world building would have been nice. But I know he, it just seemed like he was really trying to trim the fat and really just have a really fast-paced novel, which I definitely think he did. And he got the, the few flashbacks he needed. I just, I wanted a little bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't spent a huge amount of time talking from a non-spoiler point of view, but uh, I guess your overall uh, spoiler-free impressions, what sort of a reader would you recommend this book to um i can i can say that like my overall impressions are are good it it definitely didn't strike me as like a bad book so i think you could almost recommend this to like some as an introductory piece almost like it's not like a straight introduction into fantasy but if you know somebody who's read like three or four fantasy books and they kind of like them 
I think this would be in line to just keep them liking it, where it's short enough that it's not going to take too much time, but there is a good story there still. I agree. I think this is definitely a beginner fantasy novel, possibly even somebody who's brand new to fantasy. If they like certain movies, like possibly a Western or just action movies in general, you could say, hey, you want to try and pick up a book? It's only 150 pages, not that long. You can knock it out really quick, and uh, it's fun, fast-paced, and with good characters. I would say definitely this is a beginner novel. Yeah, there were definitely some elements where you know you get quite a lot of violence in this book <laughs> described. <laughs> so if you are not a person who likes reading lots of violence, perhaps it may not be the book for you. Yeah, I'd agree. Lots of descriptions mm-hmm. of blood and oh yeah, guts. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm desensitized to it. I didn't notice it too much, but I, <laughs> I, I know they didn't shy away from it. Definitely, yeah. No. Yeah, I do like what you said, Soul, about it kind of feeling almost like a Western. Um, I can definitely kind of feel that vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like what you said there about that. Yeah, I got a little bit of a feel of, just, just from the whole Harvest Festival thing, um, a little bit of a feel for the books where, I'm not sure if I can describe this properly, so maybe cut this. <laughs> um, okay, don't worry. We'll leave it the... in. <laughs> Cultures that celebrate, um, I mean, you, you guys probably do. We had this discussion about weather another, the other day and um, seasons, but equinoxes mm. and um, festivals that are around your equinoxes and your solstices so like very much like a druid sort of culture yeah i think you're right um i'm not exactly sure the term we're looking for here but i know it's it's more of a uh almost esoteric maybe of an old school mythology and their their practices of uh how they celebrate their culture Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean the village is preparing a, a harvest festival with bonfires and um i presume dancing and feasting so yeah we're uh, gonna have a good time like uh winter <laughs> what is it? we live time uh the bells bells harvest it's not, i want to say bells harvest. Yeah. it's not harvest obviously it's like bell bell, bell time. time i feel like bell time bell that's what it's called yeah. um and that's barely into wheel of time so that's not really even a spoiler but it's something like that where it's just this this village is getting together they're celebrating and it does not go the way they planned. And uh, we'll save the rest of that for the spoilers. Yeah. All right. Um, did you have anything else from a spoiler-free perspective that you wanted to talk about? I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good as well. What about you? All anything? Right. Last words? Uh, I don't think I've got anything else from a spoiler-free section. So okay. we will be moving on to discuss some more of the elements that make up this book. And the rest of this episode will contain full spoilers. So. If you are averse to spoilers, please stop listening. <laughs> if you're allergic to spoilers, leave now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here is the recap that I put together for us. Ren, a wandering knife, and Crimp are bandits. And while robbing someone on their day-to-day life, they learn that the Urizen have invaded with their mindless ghouls and their blood sons. Ren and Crimp escort the man, Drune, that they were robbing, Back to his town after he begs them and convinces them. They fight a group of zombie and a blood son named Krond. 
Um, when they get back to the town after some introductions, they try to convince everyone to leave and succeed and fail on both accounts. Um, Ren doesn't really care and wants to leave the village as soon as possible, but he ends up blackmailing the town into buying their own weapons back from him while getting ready to defend the town. Of course, the town leader says it's a lie. They fight, uh, sorry, the ghouls and the townspeople fight. They win, they leave. Oh, sorry, I messed up here. Ren, after leaving, decides that his heart of gold has come back and that he needs to go back and stay and fight with the town. And he really, really just wants to beat Krond again. Um, Krond attacks Ren, loses the fight, but the town wins the battle. So Krond attacks and loses They in retreats. The Reeve runs away from the town. And when the mage Zoso attempts to force Krond to stick with their plan, Krond kills him and forces the ghouls to follow him in an attempt to continue destroying the town. He gets back to the town full of his rage, but the town is empty because all the townspeople have left and aren't there anymore. He searches for the town and he ends up finding the Reeve torturing the Reeve, and then the Reeve betrays the town and leads them to where the townspeople have gathered for the day. Ren and, Kru Ren and Krimpy have left and are brought back. They decide to go back and check on them, bring them back one more time. They meet up at the temple where the town was kind of waiting. Ren remembers his past and gets his fighting spirit back and saves the day. And then at the end, they Ren and Ren and Crimp, you know, fade off into the distance as they leave. All right. Um, so I've got, let's talk characters. Yes, let's talk characters. Okay. <laughs> let's talk yeah. characters. Um, who, who is your favorite character? I mean, we've got. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Crimp, which maybe is not something that you guys would choose. Okay. I think he is. Ren is obviously like the main, the cool fighter, really awesome main character guy that has like, you know, the sordid past where he's now a bandit. But Crimp is, I don't want to say he's always the same, but he's a good friend, even though he pretends to be still a criminal and always wanting to just leave this town throughout the whole novel. But he stays with his buddy, Ren, through thick and thin, even when it gets tough. Even when his buddy seems like he's being a little suicidal trying to attack things and uh, stand up for a village they don't care about, he still stays with his buddy. That's why I think Crimp is the best. What do you guys think? Really interesting for because I found I find Crimp because Crimp and Ren haven't always been together. Right. I think they've been like a year or two. I think they did like maybe two seasons of banditry together. But the amount of loyalty between the two is like as though they had been together for their whole lives. Yeah, yeah. This best bud dynamic, definitely. <laughs> um, the character that I wanted more of, that I was kind of sad we didn't get more of, was Zoso, the mm. the blood mage slash blood adept. Um, I, I thought he was kind of interesting and cool. I mean, he was pretty rote, like, you know, let's just, we're going to go, we're going to attack the town. Um, but I kind of like that he'd figured a little bit more out with the magic, like, hey, not only can I command the ghouls, I can also command you, right, right. through that shared yeah. link. But, you know, obviously, in this, the spoiler, he dies really quick. And I yep. thought <laughs> I thought he would last a little bit longer, and we might see a little bit more of him. 
so I, I look forward to more of those mages to see if they're all similar or different where they go. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started reading this book, I, I read the prequel before I read this one, but when I started reading this novel, I saw Ren and Crimp, and the first thing that came to my head was Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was somewhat of an influence, at least on the naming conventions alone. Yeah. But then I also think that Crimp sort of fulfilled a little bit of a comic relief role in that some of his little comments that he makes. Oh, was... for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I wonder how much of an influence there actually was there. Um, I mean, obviously, Ren and Stimpy are a little bit of stupid cartoon characters, and there isn't really that much similarity between the two, but right. that, that was what immediately came to my mind when I first read Ren and Crimp. Um, the prequel book also follows Droon and uh, his little adventure that happens before Ren and Crimp meet up with him oh alright so I I almost felt like as I was reading through this book that the author was trying to make Droon into a main character I'm not sure if that how much of that was because the whole of the prequel book is from Drune's perspective. And I, I can see there like, were... I know Chesky and I didn't read the prequel, and to clarify, Merlia did. So for those listening, she's the we we did this on purpose so that she would be the one with the perspective of reading the prequel. And I think you're right, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off too much. Drune definitely <laughs> felt like when we when we were reading it, or I don't know if Chesky felt this way. I felt like he was almost a main character with Ren. But it was just a hair below that. And maybe yeah. that's that's why maybe I should have read the prequel. Or maybe I should afterwards. Yeah, he definitely had had that kind of feeling of uh, force of presence in the novel. Like mm-hmm. he stands out more than everybody else, second to to Ran and Crimp and Crond, for sure. Yeah. The um the author has stated you don't have to read the prequel book, but having read it, it it does almost feel like a bit of a prologue to the story. Because it's okay. it's in that the day or so immediately preceding the events of Red Harvest Moon. Right. Um, So it also gives you a little bit of his story. Well, uh, you get a little bit of an understanding of the dynamic between him and Sorrow. Okay. The woman. woman. Yeah. That was, I thought, I kind of did think that was a more interesting choice uh, in the book that one of his basically main characters is chosen or it does have kind of a relationship while some while they're already in a relationship you know he cheats with her in her relationship and he's still the good guy and usually i mean not to say that anybody usually it's a clear indication it's the bad guy yeah but that's that's what i'm saying like usually that means that they're more not the good person or something Mm -hmm. like that but you know i thought that was kind of that was a change i don't know if it was a good change but it was a change and i maybe it was a little refreshing that like yes, he made a mistake. Yeah, and, like, uh, the guy died, but like he didn't intend right. for the guy to die, and he, was he actually trying to, tried to save him. Which, which I like. This yeah. is a guy. It felt like he nailed the character of someone trying to atone for their sins. Where he slept with this guy's wife. The guy was actually going to confront him, and he still felt responsible that he was now. They're both under attack, and he even died because. He couldn't protect him. He's like, yeah, I mean, I slept with this guy's wife, but 
he doesn't deserve to die, and I, he still feels bad about that. And it just it shows some character, and it is a very delicate, and I don't know if it's a perfect uh, way to have this character doing this, but it felt good. I thought I thought I kind of liked him, even though it's kind of weird. Just I, I don't want to like somebody that sleeps with other people, but. <laughs> Well, in that situation, yeah. Yes, in this situation. <laughs> but I do want to admire him for at least having Droon try to protect Willen. And I thought that was actually a good scene to introduce Ren and Crimp to Droon and Willen and have mm-hmm. Willen die. So I thought that was a good start to the novel. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting as well that though that when they went into a really small amount of the history between Droon and Sorrow, They'd mm-hmm. actually met each, each other five years previous. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think, Did was she not married then and has subsequently got married in the process? Because it doesn't, it doesn't actually specify. I, I was on so the impression, yeah, that, that they weren't married five years before. Yeah, but maybe so. that's just the way I read things. So. And so therefore, like, they've met up again in mm-hmm. this past, within this past year and all rekindled all of that feeling that they had five years previous, but now she's married and is <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I definitely read it just like so. And maybe like you, if I'm understanding right, that when they met five years ago, they weren't married. They kind of were in love. He went off to make a fortune and it took four years too long. And then she got married and then he got back in the midst of a disaster. You know, right before the disaster, obviously, but, uh, yeah, stuff happened. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that, people. Disaster complicates relationships that are already complicated. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I guess because of the fact that I read the prequel as well, I, I struggled a little bit to see Ren fully as the main character of this book. Obviously, the book is, and the series is The Wandering Knife, which hmm. is Ren. Right. But the ways that, like, we we follow Droon as he goes and speaks to Saro on his own whilst Ren and Krimp are off getting things or doing other things. And it's like point of view characters, are they main characters? Are they just side characters that we're now just seeing from their point of view? I guess it was, it was a little bit tricky from... Uh, a consideration that we've had such a short amount of time to learn about these characters in, but yet we're trying to follow all of these different people's perspectives. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's always a good question. You know, what makes a main character? Um, you know, is it a point of view? Is it screen time? Uh, we'll never know, but I definitely think he's one of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked. Uh, I was going to say the Reeve of the town, the leader in charge. Uh, he felt <laughs> uh, almost a little bit too characterish, character yeah, caricatured that, uh, to me. I, I I can't say that word. I'm sorry, but he just felt like a, yeah, yeah, an oversimplification of his Reeve. He's the leader. He's the selfish. I'm in charge. I'm mm-hmm. going to make the decision. Oh, you're new and I don't like you and you're a bandit. Even you're bringing me bad news. I don't believe it. And then I'm going to run away and get caught and betray my town. I mean, it just, it was too, it was simplistic for me, and that's fine. He made for a decent antagonist, as antagonistic as he was, but he could have been a lot more. I feel like if he, if the writer 
had 300 pages of this novel already written out and he didn't want to go past that because he wanted to keep it short, then I would give him more leeway to not having re-fleshed out more. But because he's basically just 100% a trope and there was only 150 pages, you could have spent like a couple more pages fleshing this character out. Maybe you have a flashback of the town where he's in it for like a scene or two and you grow to either like him or see that he's not just this trope. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think I think I agree. He he was very much a character that we expect, and there was no other sides to him. But I think that with the amount of words and the amount of time spent explaining the characters, it it kind of worked in the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he definitely he fulfilled his part and played it well for how much. But maybe if we'd had just a little bit more in page count and in him, it could have been a little bit more satisfying, I guess, to me. Okay. I just can't believe that he would still be out of function after having his ear cut off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I personally have never had an ear cut off, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd be having a little adrenaline rush. Maybe I'd be okay with it. I don't know. I'd probably just cry in the fetal position for a while. Yeah, I imagine it's quite painful, but you most likely live through it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope we never find out, though. (laughs) Just just thinking about just anything that happens to your head quite often (laughs) results in a lot of pain. And, Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I guess it would depend on whereabouts the ear was actually cut off. Was it straight through the cartilage or was it a little bit closer to the skull? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. All right. <laughs> um, moving on from ear cutting. Yeah. <laughs> moving on from my morbid thoughts of ear cutting off. Um, Krond. Mm. How was how was Krond as a an another antagonist? Okay, Chesky, why don't you go before okay, I? I'll go. Okay. I, at first, I thought he was going to be too simplistic. Mm-hmm. You know, just a guy to fight Ren and to be the brute. Then I saw him use a little bit of smarts with fighting when he went against Zoso, his boss, you know, by blocking his ears, which was good. I mean, that was smart. And then it worked. And and then he kind of went back to being mostly a brute again. So he kind of had his ups and downs for me. Um, so that was one thing I kind of felt about the book, is that some characters were a little bit inconsistent in certain things. Right. And I was also really confused that, like, the magic only works if you can hear it. Like your blood can't hear it, and that's what you're controlling is his blood. Like, so mm-hmm. how can how can he blocking his ears make the magic not work? But mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Yeah, It wasn't that yeah, bad. Whatever. It was just some minor <laughs> questions. I was like, that's odd, and that was weird, but this was cool, so I'll, I'll allow it. I, I think I'll agree with uh, Kron being slightly interesting as far as more of a complex character. I wish... When he gets simplistic, it's mostly because he's filled with rage. And I had a feeling the author was trying to go with that. I don't want to say race. It's that. What is it? That because they're not humans. They're uh, like a spinoff version of whatever sentient beings they are. Uh, whatever they are, whatever their culture is. I feel like there was like an innate thing that they're more rage filled than humans. I don't know. I mean, he's the only one that we actually see of that. But that's what I thought the author was trying to go for. I, I wish he had either clarified that, and then I probably would have given him more of a pass. For when he just gets gets angry and just wants to fight Ren. Yeah, 
Especially after Ren cuts him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, that was one of my other things, is that, you know, Kronda's fighting, is chasing them down with, like, two or three zombies, right? Or ghouls, mm-hmm. excuse me. And, you know, Ren gets in this perfect position, and he's in the mood, and he's in the moment, and then he, like, stabs Kronda in the eye, right? And, you know, wounds him and then leaves. And then all the other fight scenes between Ren and Krond were like, okay, now you guys are at the same power level when clearly you dispatched him with ease earlier by stabbing him in the eye. A feat that's tough, I assume. And then now you're fighting on the same level slash losing, and then you come back. I just felt like his power level was a little bit inconsistent. That's fair. I can understand that. Uh, How did you feel about Krond and Ren's power level, uh, Marilia? I, uh, at first I was kind of like, I, I get that Ren has been training with a sword for his entire life. That was some of the backstory that we got of Ren. He's the son of a swords master and has never felt like he's good enough for his father. So he's been training all of his life to try and get his father to see him in a positive light. Mm-hmm. It's got a few daddy issues. Um, Definitely. He... <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't at this day and time? Yeah, of course. His father wants something more from Ren—not just his physical ability, but also his um, to try and train the arrogance out of Ren that he's a, a developed, which I think is also partly his father's fault. I mean, you're also teaching what? Like, the, the kid's a teenager at this point, too. Like, he's like 16, so of course he's going to be arrogant. You teach him to be this yeah. incredible fighter. But regardless, okay, continue. Sorry. But Crazy then to dad. think that, yeah, they've been, he's been with Crimp for unknown amount of time, but a bandit for at least a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The amount of practice and training that you would have during that time is probably less so than what you would do if you were in a situation where your father was the swords master and you were there trying to become a loyal knife um, mm-hmm. and a guard. And so I, I felt like his ability with a sword was probably beyond what he should have been able to do. And most of it I would say was from surprising Krond initially. But then their interaction, their final interaction together where Kronda's one eye and Ren just kind of puts his sword in a position that Kron can't see it. I, I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, I agree, like, he either should have maybe started at a little bit lower power level because he hasn't been, like, sword fighting all the time and then maybe, like, gradually remember it. Um, you know, and then by the end he could be the good, but yeah, I don't know. You, I agree with you. Hey, I mean, he didn't even really... His sword fighting wasn't even really that great. He only defeated Krond because he not so much tricked him, but used his... He used the disadvantage to his advantage. Yeah. I think yeah. possibly this is more of a, um, a first novel or a beginner novel by the author that it could be possibly... I think it's just just something that the author needs to maybe get better at writing these action scenes, because it sounded it felt like he didn't want to make Ren too overpowered early on, mm-hmm. and then 
have him overpowered later. I don't know. I don't know what he was really going for, but I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, I think the writing could have been just a little bit better in the action scenes as far as Ren and Krond, those scenes. I mean, but I did Krond... like. I, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say Krond felt like he was overpowered for the entire thing, but then Ren still managed to one up him every time they came together. Yeah. Uh, there is the one scene in the village where they're fighting, oh, yes. and Krond just like beats on him the whole time. <laughs> but other than that, you're right. So two out of three fights, Ren Ren wins handily, and then one out of three fights, Ren loses, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So would that be one of your favorite scenes or least favorite scenes? Their fights, or uh, I think from my point of view, I wouldn't say that they were my least favorite scenes. I think I had Kron scenes down as my least favorite, but uh, like mm-hmm. overall, but that was just. I, I did actually find another scene that I thought was unnecessary as far as mm-hmm. the, the story went, which was probably would fit my least favorite scene more so. Which, um, uh, which scene would that be? Um, it was the scene where the, the two young people just disappeared off into the forest for a mother's <laughs> twist. Of course. And I was sure. like, what was the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> I guess showing you that people can die. <laughs> that's what it was they were sacrifices from the author to be like look not everybody makes it out and here's some people that are conveniently out there to prove that well, point except she makes it out he doesn't right but she only makes it out to cause drama with whatever the villager that was right next to him that was like oh this the, the the kid you were sleeping with was actually already married right wasn't it something like that she she I, was married to and her husband was had been called away to the war. Yes. Okay, that's what it is. So I don't know. I felt like it was unnecessary drama mm-hmm. when they could have expanded on something else that we've already touched on those characters. So yeah, I agree. I thought it was unnecessary. One of uh one of my favorite scenes, if you don't mind me sharing. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, the little bits of lore that we're kinda getting of the world where she's talking about um, the the many-tailed fox and the the harvest I don't remember exactly I'm sorry but the the harvest the the lady of the the lady of blades or the lady of the scythe mm-hmm. um, and the the mom is telling her daughter the story and then you know I, I thought it was a nice and interesting story definitely good for a kid and then when he leave when they leave the offering in the little temple at the very end and then you kind of see something being like, oh, and something approved of it. You know, I like that. It felt that part made me feel like, yes, this is an epic thing. You know, we've got the gods coming in. We've got the stories. I like that a lot. I, I really wish there'd been more of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Merlia, what about your favorite scene? Anything specific? I actually liked Ren's first flashback scene. I thought that was a good scene to develop his character. Hmm. Um, and introduce uh, his backstory and I guess the way that he, how, how he thinks before he was put into the situation where he's now a bandit and to give him a little bit more nobility than what being a bandit would otherwise suggest. Right, because we're just seeing a bandit who has some kind of past and we're finally seeing some of that past. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, my favourite scene, similar, is... It's when Suter, uh, I don't know how you say his name, I think it's one of the twins or whatever, he's the same age as Auden, who was Ren's friend when Ren got him killed. 
So Ren sends him with the brothers to Mirror Hill. And I thought that was a nice parallel to his past and Ren's character growth. And I don't know, I felt like there was some emotion there that the author put in that I kind of liked in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There was something else that I wanted to talk about, but I've forgotten what it is. And it, keep, it kept creeping into my head every time we mentioned something and it's gone. Uh, mm. How did you guys feel about... I mean, the second, like we just, like Sol was talking about, the second flashback where, you know, Ren sees the this invading army kind of, this invading, like, excursion coming in. Right. And instead of going for help, they choose to, you know, attack and they think they can win the tide. Right. Did you feel like the response from the king and his father was, like, appropriate? I kind of felt like... Of course not. You, I, you, I, raise, you raise children... For how many years? At least a decade, because they're like 17, 18 now. And yeah. you raise them to be the best fighters and to have proud, uh, pride in their country and to fight and to protect others. So when an opportunity comes around to risk their lives and they're bold, do you think they're not going to take it? Like you just, no offense, you brainwash these kids for like a decade. So of course they're going to do it. And then you penalize them for it. Well, I think that's part of what. I think that's part of what his dad was trying to teach him in the first and second one was that you don't always have to fight. That's not, I don't train you to be the wander, the loyal knife to fight and to kill. You know, I train you to be loyal and here to help and do the best choice. You know, I agree. I just, Mm -hmm. I almost wonder like, should they have just been like under, have a guard still because they're not quite fully trained, you know, so they shouldn't that's be in they charge should... of making that decision necessarily. Yeah, they need to flesh out their hierarchy and possibly even have some therapists on staff. Because <laughs> guess what? You probably would have more fighters if you guys had a therapist to have them talk to once in a while and be like, oh, hey, you guys are having father-son problems? Why don't we actually talk this out instead of just brooding until one of you guys is exiled and the other one just kind of fades into oblivion? Well, okay. This is a fantasy book, so I know, no I know. Therapist. Again, it's only <laughs> no pages. ever, so you can't have that. Yeah. But I do agree. Maybe if the father had just come out and said, "Look, this is the answer that I'm trying to beat into you," right. instead of trying to make talk. you guess it the whole time, yeah, then things would have been to each better. Other. Mm-hmm. So. Now I'll give him a pass because it was teenage kids versus a father raising a teenage kid, so I do understand a little bit. But I'm not giving them a full pass. So, all right. Sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. I didn't mean to get that that into it. No, you're good. Did that jog your memory, Amelia? Any of that? No, it still hasn't jogged my memory. Um... <laughs> okay, so I do want to talk about one pro of the author then that I I do want to say was yeah. nice was I thought it was a good choice to have the majority of the men in the village have already begun to fight the war. And it created more. It created more vulnerability. Yeah, vulnerability for the town. And I thought that was, you know, a, a good way to make Ren and Crimp want to stay, and Droon want to really help them. Is that there's really like no male presence because these fighters or the people that they normally have fighting are already gone. So it's 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 up to them and to encourage the ones who are there to be like, no, you guys can fight too. And they can do it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was also good that we had at least one female who was a little bit badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought there was a second one, too, because I know 
unfortunately, one of them died in the, the first wave of the attack, which was kind of sad. But they kill, actually, they killed a lot of people in this, uh, <laughs> which, you know, is not surprising. So it's yeah. basically the Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurais, but in a novel. So people were going to die. But they did kill quite a few that I didn't want them to kill, which is kind of sad, which I'll give the author credit for. You made me care. I do. I, I remembered what I was going to say now. Oh, good. Okay, Tell us. what do you got? Hit us. The time frame of this novel. It happened over the course of what? A few uh, days. Like thirty-six hours, I'd say. Yeah, two to three days max. Mm-hmm. The, the, I. They never slept. They just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you should read a Harry Dresden novel. Okay, he doesn't sleep for weeks. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay, a week, but still. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, I feel like it actually should have been shorter as far as the time frame to really make it feel tense. Yeah, I feel like I that just... last day was just like maybe like six hours too long. I was thinking Crimp and when Ren and Crimp went to go and collect the weapons from their cache, mm-hmm. cache um, uh-huh. they were on their way back as the sun was going down. And then as they got back to the village, it was like the sun was still up, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, I, don't, I don't know that they actually specifically mentioned it, but the... Well, wasn't I mean, Kron's plan to attack them at night, and that's why they had to leave and get the weapons right away? Yeah. yeah, but it sounded like they got back in enough time that they could distribute all of the weapons, figure out a, a game plan now that they had all of these new weapons available to them. And take mm-hmm. a great power nap. <laughs> hey, you sleep when you can, you know, of course. I think, I mean, as much as I agree with you, I think this is one of the things that nobody likes to read because nobody would want to read a paragraph where you're like, and then everybody went to bed and then they woke <laughs> up the next morning. And so he, maybe he maybe he just skipped, skipped it a little bit, mm-hmm. but maybe he could have just given more clues that like, it's the next day. Or, or like, yeah, they did retire for the night or something. You know, he could have given a bit more clues as to what is going on, as like the time passing, and that maybe would have made it feel a little bit better without actually watching him them sleep. I, I think there was one moment when I think it was Drune went to sleep or, like, passed out. I think that was mentioned, yeah. I yeah. definitely remember somebody was sleeping at one point. So I know somebody <laughs> got some sleep in this novel. <laughs> I just and that I guess was my other point about Ren and his last battle is uh, he was he was exhausted by that point, mm-hmm. but yet he still managed to beat Krond somehow. Well, he'd accepted his father's admonition at the very end and truly accepted being a wandering knife. Yeah, that's that, a that didn't mean power. he didn't have to be loyal to the people he was loyal to. So that mm-hmm. gave him a burst of strength that lasted enough time for him to kill Krond and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think from having read the prequel as well and seeing what Drune had been through over the past couple of days and just knowing that they would have probably kept moving is that Drune would probably have been on his feet for at least three or four days. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. See, we didn't, we didn't get that. So that makes sense. I could see that happening. But this, this novel is essentially... The movie Magnificent Seven, or the movie that that movie was based on, The Seven Samurai, where 
it's just a town that's constantly under attack. And it's these people banded together to save it. And you need that tension, I felt like. Having sleepless nights and constant duress was how the author wanted to really make that tension last. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I didn't like that there were about 40 ghouls in the war band. And uh, I kept thinking, why would you send half of your force to do a quick little raiding party when if you're going to split up half of your force, just give them all of the force and wipe out the whole town at once when they didn't know. And it would have worked. I just, I thought that was like, just, it just bothered me. That was just a little nitpick. But they did know because, you know, Ren and Crimp made it there first. So the town kind of always knew that they were coming. Now, why didn't they take more? Why didn't they take three-fourths and leave yes. one-fourth to guard the mage? You know, maybe, but I think that's part of that antagonistic relationship between Krond and Zoso, where Zoso's like, I oh, know, we're going to finish the mission, and yeah. I'm going to keep us on it. And Krond's like, no, no, I want to go do this side mission. And him saying, no, you can't take these people on that, you know, that many. But, yeah. If he's going to let him take half the force, I felt like Zozo would have been like, Let's, if he's going to give him literally half, 20, I thought 20 was like they had 100. And he's like, yeah, take a fifth. That's fine. Go do your thing. He gave him half. I'd have been like, no, dude, if, if you really want to push my buttons and do this, we'll all go together. We'll wipe them out. And then we'll keep on moving. That's what I yeah. thought. That would have been a smarter move on Zozo's part, for sure. Yeah, because there was no way the town... The town barely handled 20. So if you just put in even another 5, 10, 20, there'd been no problem. But that wouldn't have made for a good novel. So I do understand. That's okay. <laughs> uh, the second nitpick, and the last one I'll say, is that I wanted a map. Now, I know this is a personal preference. A lot of people don't care about maps. I do when they're specifically talking about uh, flashbacks that are in an area. They're talking about moving towns in certain directions. They're talking about places on what I would assume is a map that I'd like to know the direction from where they came, where they're going, and where they are now. That's just a a personal thing. What do you guys think? I have never been much of a map person, but I do appreciate that maps do add a lot to your knowledge of the world that we're reading about. So I would like a map. I just I'm not one of one of these people that just very rarely looks at it. Okay, Chesky, yeah. you're on my side though, right? Come on. Well, okay. Yeah? <laughs> let me let me get my my confessions out here for right oh, now. Oh no, I'm alone, <laughs> I, aren't I? Okay. No, I like it. I like it when a book has a map, and mm-hmm. I kind of like to peruse it at the beginning, and just kind of you know be like, okay, here's kind of what the map looks like. Very rarely, if ever. Mm-hmm. Do I refer to the map while I'm reading the book? Like, okay, I, I could look that. at the map and see, like, okay, City A is next to City B, but then if I'm reading the book and they say City A is next to City C, I won't catch that because I'm not that invested. I'll just be like, okay, so they still went to this city, and then maybe if I remember, I'll look at it more and be like, now where exactly does that happen? But like when I'm reading, I don't really pay attention to the maps at all. It's kind of just in my head. But I do like having a map to look at. All right, that's fair. Because as soon as they mention City C, I'm turning right back to that map. I'm like, where is it? Where is everybody else? And I'm I'm analyzing that thing like crazy. So uh-huh. I guess and that's I a can see thing. that for sure. But that's okay. just not me. Yeah, I just am 
I'll trust the book and then I'll go back and kind of maybe look at it and be like, okay, so maybe from here to here and from there to there, you know, I just, mm -hmm. but I don't study it out. Okay. Yeah. It kind of threw me just because I was like thinking where were they going east? Were they going into the sun when it was rising and they were running away? Where were they? I was trying to figure out where a map in my head would be as far as these people running away going to where the actual ghouls are but i understand i'm in the minority that's okay no, uh, i don't that's... think you're in the minority i think that there are lots of people who do like maps well just in this in this podcast that's okay but uh <laughs> what do you guys got any other nitpicks i have a little nitpick okay. and that's the use of the word company to mm. describe a number of people that are in a group because he's using it I the author has used it what in what I feel is a militaristic type of use that is right. is describing fair description. what should be what I, I think it's like 80 to 100 people a company yeah yeah but he he uses the word company to describe 40 people like the the company of the ghouls right that's where I, yeah I was confused as well cuz I assumed it was like oh 100 people he sent 20 ghouls in the beginning no big deal. It was like a fifth. So when I learned it was actually 40 in total, that was, I felt drastically lower than I thought. Yeah. And I'd like, I, I think there was one other time that they used company, but I think it was like, it, he said a company of eight. And I was like, but that's, I think, a collective noun usage of the word company as opposed to trying to describe company. Yeah, yeah it was just my little nitpick about the word company. Yeah, that's, like, that's a that's a group of eight. It's not necessarily a company of <laughs> that's eight. That's not even a dozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we already hit on my the last my two nitpicks. Mm -hmm. The the mage and the blood magic. Not I don't that part was weird. And then the power level, but that was all mine. Gotcha. Understandable. We had some fairly different nitpicks, I think. So it was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um. So this book is listed as book one of the Wandering Knife series, but I think I think it does okay on its own. Mm -hmm. Do you have mm -hmm. any thoughts and predictions on where you think the series might go after this? 100% agree. I do think this works on its own, just like the movies that I feel like this novel's based on. It is a-okay to just read this, 150 pages, and you're done. Don't have to worry about a commitment. I think if it does go on, you're going to have to follow Ren, obviously. You're actually going to lose, I would say, Droon and anybody connected to this village. Because if he continues on, I feel like this is hinted at a war and uh, an epic that Ren would be involved in and a journey on a personal nature and not going to involve anybody in the, the village that they just saved. So I don't think, honestly, I'm kind of curious how, how he would take this because I don't think he would have a good novel if you split it up into Droon or something like that as a spinoff with Ren half through the book, I don't know how he'd do it. It would have to be focused on Ren. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it definitely is a good standalone novel as it is right now. I think when more comes out, it should be, if they're the same kind of uh, page count, then I think it'll be a great series to just quick reads and be good. Um, mm -hmm. I think the next... I don't know, if there was a next book, I think it would be dealing with them kind of getting involved in the war. And then maybe by book three or four, he goes back home 
to meet with his father and his land and kind of rectify that situation. They have to do something with Crimp's past. Um, and they named a lot of places that they could go. And so, you know, I, they have a lot of options. But I just, I wonder more about why does this empire want to attack? Why are they the only ones with ghoul magic? You know, mm -hmm. where, where are all these other things coming from that would hopefully be answered? So, uh, Marilia, what do you think? I almost felt like Ren was almost at the point where he was like, well, I found my place in the world. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if that was, I accepted my fate as a wandering knife, meaning I'm never going to set down roots anywhere else. Or if he meant wandering by way of, I'm now no longer tied to the empire that I was originally tied to as a loyal knife, but I can set down roots here and be the protectors of this village. As kind of a, I, I find it, I would obviously find it really difficult because of the sort of character that they turned Ren and Crimp into that they never wanted to set down roots and. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think they did. I think it was more of the former. Yeah. So, because I was also thinking who who would lead the village now that the Reeve is gone. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really, there didn't seem to be a standout leader that I could really think of. Like there was the the warrior ex-soldier dude, but I don't know that he was necessarily be a good village leader. Yeah, I feel like there'd cause they... some drama. Like maybe that's something he could do if he chooses to continue on with the village. Maybe have Droon try and take that leadership role while the other guy is doing the same. I don't know. Or if they uh, end up following the lead of Sylvie, the young girl who has the like seer powers. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I did like yeah. that. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to mention that. That was interesting. So yeah, I'm. I would like to see more of the world, um, and find out more about this war, and to figure out where exactly and what exactly these ghouls are, and the blood sons, which is what Grund was. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to get more of those. What do you? Okay, how did you picture the ghouls? Because I pictured them like Dementors from Harry Potter, but. <laughs> um, Instead of, like, floating, they had little weird spindly-looking legs. That's what I pictured them. How did you picture them? I pictured them a little bit like zombies. <laughs> yeah, zombies? I think okay. I just kind of went with a generic generic zombie, except less, uh, right. less decayed. Because I know you mentioned zombies, like, and you're like, oh, I meant ghouls. I'm like, okay. So I, yeah. I had a feeling you guys pictured them a lot different than I did. All right. I pictured them almost like Scream, like the movie, and Dementor is just kind of... <laughs> Flying around really weird and creepy. All right. All right. I was just curious. Yeah. I just, I, I think Krond described some of them at one point. And uh, I think it was what appeared in my head was, uh, and also I think um, in the prequel, they're described as well. Mm. Um, so I had something in my head that was a weird kind of zombie ish, like ghastly looking creature. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that you wanted to? discuss i think i'm good yeah Trust i'm good me. as well we hit everything i wanted to say that's right went through it all all right well that concludes our episode um join in the discussion with us on legendarium's discord if you have anything that you would like to discuss or if you would like to hear anything else about this um about red harvest moon the invite link is on thelegendarium.com 
Uh, we are also on Twitter as at Green Team Pod, as well as on Reddit. Uh, join us in supporting the Legendarium via Patreon and a shout out to Horizon Brave for starting this all off. So a big thank you to our panellists, Chesky and Solution. I'm Melia, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.